Hey, welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us. Hey, we have a message from this past Sunday. It was faith over fear. And I'm telling you, God had a lot of good things to say. And so we encourage you to posture your heart, to hear from heaven, allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you as you listen to this podcast. Father, Lord, we're so grateful. God, we're just so thankful for you, for what you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in this place. We're just amazed. God, you blow us away with your presence, with your goodness, with uh, your plans. And so, Father, right now, we humble ourselves before you. We posture our heart right now to receive from heaven. We ask for ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what you have for us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Say amen. Turn to your neighbor. Tell them how good they're looking this morning and you can be seated. Come on. Tell them they look amazing. You look amazing. I'm telling you. Woo. Come on. Some of you are overdoing it now. Come on. All right. No one to stop. No one to stop. No. It's good. Would you open your Bibles over to John chapter 18? And if you don't mind, I want to get into some scripture this morning, and I think it's going to be uh, exciting. We brought this little platform in because I just felt like I was so far away from you back here. And I just want to, man, I just want to get close and maybe spit on you a little bit and lay hands on you, maybe. And uh, so anyway, glory to God. So I'm excited this morning. But John chapter 18, in this chapter, and and we're going to look at verse 37, uh, beginning around there. Now, Jesus has been arrested, and all of the religious leaders have brought him before Pilate. And Pilate asked Jesus a question in verse 37. He says, so are you a king? And this is how Jesus responds. He says, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness of the truth. And then Pilate asked a question that I believe is being asked all around the United States today, and that is, what is truth? What is truth? And I thought it was so interesting that Jesse started talking about trust, because this is a part of what truth is. But Pilate asked this question, he says, what is truth? And how many of you have talked to people and they say, well, that's your truth. That may work for you, but, you know, I have another truth. And so different people have different concepts of truth. They have different ideas about truth. And let me give you first a definition. Then I'm going to tell you what Jesus said that truth is. How's that sound? So here's here's a definition of truth. Factual. Faithful firm, real, and reliable. It's something that I think he just described my wife. (laughs) She is very factual and very faithful. And we've been married 29 years. And there is a trust that I have for my wife. I mean, she bought a house without me even looking at it. I trust her so much, you know, and, but there's been There's been an establishment in my heart of that kind of trust because I've been able to trust her over and over and over and over. And how many of you know trust is a very precious thing? We don't just hand it out to everyone. 
in abundance, right? It's something that we, that we, that's earned. And so listen to what Jesus says in John 17, just the chapter prior in verse 17, Jesus is actually praying over his disciples. And in this prayer in verse 17, he says, sanctify them or set them apart by your truth. And then he tells you what truth is. He says, your word is truth. Man, that's powerful. This is so interesting because, you know, as a Christian, the Bible itself should be the final authority in our lives. It should be the very thing that we use as a standard for living, for moral conduct. For every area of our life, the Bible should be the standard, right? Okay, so how many of you, come on, be honest, you play basketball and you got a basketball goal and it's adjustable, What's one of the first things that you want to do? You want to bring it down, right? Because I don't know about you, I'm not as tall as an NBA player, but I want to jam on that goal. I want to act like an NBA player. I mean, it's not, you know, if you can adjust the goal, am I the only one that thinks that's fun? You know, I, I, oh, thank you, Jan. I get, okay, I just wanted to make sure I'm talking to the right folks. You know, and man, if I had a basketball goal up here that was only about, Maybe seven foot, one of my six foot, this is probably seven right here. Oh man, just makes you feel big to get up there and to jam on the rim, right? But how many of you know that's not the standard? Seven foot is not the standard, is it? What's the standard? Ten feet. That's the standard. And so no matter what we do to the word of God, we can't change the standard that God has set. Now, let me, let me say a few things to you here because I wrote a few things down and I wanted to just say them from my heart. So as people of God, we have to trust and love truth more than anything else in our life. And so what truth is, and here's the reason, is because all of our faith, our ability to believe God is based on truth, on the truth of his word. And so if we don't have that, we then here's, here's what happens. Without a clear definition of right and wrong, there is no truth. You have to have a clear definition of what is right and wrong in order to have truth. Otherwise, otherwise it's gray. And how many of you know the Bible is very descriptive? It's very black and white. Is it not? The Bible explains correctly and distinctly and without dispute this is right and this is not right right okay so if the bible declares that and defines that then this is why truth is under fire and on life support in a lot of ways in america truth is so and why because it's being replaced by personal opinion well that's how i feel about it Okay. Well, I mean, everybody has a belly button. Everybody has an opinion. Right? It's all, it's all the same. Everybody's got one. But does that mean that my seven-foot standard overrides the NBA standard of 10-foot? No. I don't see those guys playing on a seven-foot goal. Why? The standard hasn't changed. So I, my wife and I are taking this biblical citizens course with David Barton and man it's been powerful and so he made some interesting he gave some interesting statistics and I want to give them to you this morning so see because without truth there's no moral absolutes 
right? And so listen to this. Three out of five Americans believe there is no moral absolute truth. Listen to this stat. One out of two Christians believe there's no absolute moral truth. And when I heard that statement, I was like, what? Can that be right? And then he, then he gave the next statistic and I went, oh, listen to this. 9% of Christians read their Bible every day. Nine. Out of 100, 9% of Christians read their Bible every day. So think about this. So if truth is the foundation of our faith, if Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but yet 9% of Christians read their Bible, huh, I think I know where the problem is. I think, why, I, think I understand why truth is so gray. Not to mention the convenience of getting to do what I want because my, and not having to repent or have any accountability for it. You know, it's interesting. I've taken guys, I, I, count, I get to counsel guys um, ever so often, some in the church, some uh, at an organization called Loving Choices. And when I get to counsel, I've counseled some guys that, um, and I've taken them through a porn series. You know, Zach was very vulnerable this morning, shared some of his testimony. And, you know, and I think about these guys that, you know, are dealing with porn. And so I love a series that John Bevere did called Porn Free. It's an excellent series. If you've never been through it, it's great to go through if you've been dealing with that in your life. And, but I was counseling this one guy and, and he was doing good all the way up until I came to the accountability software that you have to put on every device that you own. Well, no, you know, I, I think what I'll do is I, I only load up the, you know, Safari when I use it, and then I, then I throw it right away. I throw it away. Well, the accountability software would be a whole lot easier. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So now, turn, if you want to see the scripture, turn over to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. You know, I said earlier, as a Christian, the Bible has to be our basis. It has to be our moral standard. It has to be the final authority in our lives. If we're truly a Christian and we truly love God, then we would make it final authority. And so what does that mean, Phil? That means I'm a real simple guy, a real practical guy. That means I, I read the Bible and I look for things that the Bible says that I can do. You know, because it tells you how to live. It tells you how to function in life. And when you choose to live what the Bible says, for instance, you know, Jesse and James, they brought up tithing. And tithing was one of those things that came through the cross. It's, it's all the way, it's long before the covenant ever even started uh, with Abraham, with Moses, you know, and it goes all the way beyond the New Testament. You see it in the New Testament. And so that's something that I can do. Giving 10% of my income is something I can do, you know. And so that becomes, for me, the financial standard. Oh, and by the way, because we've been faithful to that, we've never seen holes, uh, we haven't seen holes in our pockets, We've seen God take care of us. We've seen God take care of this church amazingly because this church tithes. And I learned that and I thought, man, I don't, I don't want the devil to be able to have an inlet 
into tithing. And so this is just one thing out of the Bible that I find that, hey, I can live this way. And it's a very powerful thing. Well, Philip, how do you know that, you know, the Bible is true? This is one way in Hebrews 6, look at verse 18. It says that it is impossible for God to lie. Not even probable. I mean, not even, oops, oh, did I say that? Huh? It is impossible. He is incapable of lying. And as Christians, why wouldn't we trust in him, trust the person that is perfectly trustworthy? There was a, in Matthew, um, in Matthew chapter 8, verses 2 and 3, I love this story. There's a leper that came to Jesus. And he said, Lord, if you are willing, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out and touched the leper. Lepers are highly contagious. Highly. That's why they were banned outside of the tribe. They couldn't even come into the cities or anything. They had to stay outside because they were contagious. Nobody wanted to catch what a leper had. And here Jesus puts his hand on him. And he answers, every, he answers this question for all humanity. Because I talk to people on a regular basis and it seems that they don't struggle at all with whether or not God is able. Well, he's God. He's sovereign. He can do anything. But where they struggle is, is he willing to do it for me? And he just answered that in Matthew 8, chapter 2 and 3. He put his hand on that leper and he said, I am willing. We should make a plaque and hang it on our bathroom mirror and remind ourselves, God is willing. He's not only able, he is willing, right? Because this is important to note, you can only receive from him to the measure that you trust him. Man, that's a good word. So why is it, Phil, that so many people are in fear? Let's look at that for a second. You know the verse over in 2 Timothy 1.7. And let's, let's read that. That simply says that for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Right? He has not given you the spirit of fear. And you know what that tells me? Fear is a spirit. It's a spirit that tries to come on you. It tries to attach itself to you. It tries to get in some way. It's looking for an open door that it can get in. And so I was thinking about, I like to watch old movies. I like to watch cowboy movies, you know, like back in the 50s. And I watched this movie. It has a, I have to read the name because it's not a memorable name. The name is No Name on the Bullet. Have you guys, any of you seen that movie? It's Audrey, Audie Murphy is in it. And so in this movie, he plays this infamous uh, gun, gunman, and he's basically an assassin. And everybody knows who he is. They know his name, and they know how he operates, what his method of operation is. And this is what he would do. Someone would hire him to come in and, you know, take care of business in a town, kill someone. And he would come to town, and what he'd do is check in the hotel. He would sit in the saloon and just drink coffee. And he wouldn't leave the saloon. He'd just sit there. And then what would happen is panic would grip everybody's heart. Fear would overtake the town. And the guy that he's there to, to kill would eventually just want to have a face-off with him. Because he's just so fearful, he realizes he's not leaving town. And then he would wait until he drew on him. And then he would draw 
and killed the guy because that way he couldn't be blamed for it. So it was an interesting movie, thought, you know, as I was watching it. And as I was watching it, I was going, wait a minute. This is fear. Fear has come to town. Fear has gotten a hotel room, sitting in the saloon, drinking coffee. Because what happened in the movie is he's in there in the saloon drinking coffee. Guess what's happening? Chaos outside of the city. And so, like, guy commits suicide. Another guy kills another man thinking that he hired this guy to kill him. And then there's a big shootout. And so people are dying in the city. And this doctor, who's a really nice guy, and he just... He kind of has a relationship with this gunman for some reason. It just happened, you know, because he didn't know who he was. And he just struck up a friendship with him. And he comes to him and he says, listen, there's a pandemic in our city and you're it. If you would leave our city, death would stop happening. And I thought about this. I thought, wait a minute. This is fear. Fear comes and, try, and it just has a seat. What if you just let a little fear come in your heart and sit in your living room and drink coffee? What would that do? How would that affect you? How would you begin to start acting? Because when you slip into panic, when you slip into fear, you start doing things that don't make sense. Have we seen some of this? All right. I mentioned this, I mentioned about how, you know, in the movie he said that he, he wouldn't draw first. He would let them draw first so he couldn't be blamed for their death, right? Isn't this what the enemy does? Is it seems to me that when bad things happen, the devil never seems to get the blame for it. God gets the blame, oftentimes. Well, Mother Nature, you know, it was an act of God. And it wasn't God at all. All right, I want to read something to you before I get too far. This is, how many of you remember John G. Lake when the bubonic plague was happening in Africa? John G. Lake was a missionary. He was down there in Africa. And so while people are dying all around him, and so what he starts to do is he's praying for those that he can pray for, but the ones that are dying, he and a buddy of his are going around and they're burying the bodies. And sometimes when they're digging graves, they're, they're putting three and four bodies in there because there's so many. And so listen to what he says. These, this is, these are his words. Listen to what he said about this. He said, faith is the very opposite of fear. Faith has the opposite effect in spirit and soul and body. Faith causes the spirit of a man to become confident. It causes the mind of a man to become restful and positive. A positive mind repels disease. Science has proven this. And then it says, consequently, the emanation of the spirit destroys disease germs. And then he goes on to say, because of the fact that a man by that action of his will puts himself purposely in contact with God. Faith takes possession of his heart and the condition of his nature is changed. Instead of being fearful, he is full of faith. Mm -hmm. 
I love that, that when you read the Word of God, when you take time to find out what the Word of God says about your situation, about healing, if you're dealing with sickness, if you're dealing with a disease, if you're dealing with an issue somewhere in your body, that when you feed on the Word of God, I loved how he said, he said that faith takes possession of your heart. And then you have peace that passes understanding that guards your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Now listen to what he said about the bubonic plague. He said this, he said, during that great plague that I mentioned, they sent a government ship with supplies and corps of doctors. One of the doctors sent, sent for me and said, what have you been using to protect yourself? Outcorps um, has this prevention and that. And they started telling him all the things that they can do to, to prevent the sickness from trying to come on him. Uh, which we use as protection. But we concluded that if a man could stay on the ground as you have and keep ministering to the sick and burying the dead, you must have a secret. What is it? He said, I answered, brother, that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Has set him free from the law of sin and death. Come on, man. He said, I believe that just as long as I keep my soul in contact with the living God so that his spirit is flowing into my soul and my body, that no germ will ever attach itself to me for the spirit of God will kill it. (laughs) He said, don't you think that you had better, this is the doctors, don't you think that you had better use some preventatives? I replied no to the doctor. I think uh, you would like to experiment on me. This is what he's saying. He said, if you will go over to one of those dead bodies and take the foam that comes out of, them, out of their lungs, or out of, sorry, take the foam that comes out of their lungs after death, the, the foam, yeah, Um, after death, then put it under the microscope, you will see masses of living germs. You will find that they are alive until a reasonable time after a man is dead. Uh, You can fill my hand uh, with them and I will keep it under the microscope and instead of these germs remaining alive, they will die instantly. They tried it and found that it was true. They questioned, what is that? I replied, that is the law of the spirit of, the, of life that is in Christ Jesus. When a man's spirit and a man's body are filled with the blessing, with the blessed presence of God, it oozes out of the pores of your flesh and kills the germs. <laughs> yeah, let's give Jesus a hand on that one. Come on. No, come on, come on, come on. Wow. So, and some people, I feel like some people bumped up against a wall when I was reading that. Wait a minute. Germs died in his hands? Listen, I, I, I see Christians talk about their faith. But I've been involved in a lot of funerals, a lot of different stages of life being a pastor. I get to, yeah, come and help me, Rebecca. 
I, I, I've been involved in, in these situations where hospital visits and hospice and, and death and funerals. And, and I hear people, I hear Christians talk about their faith, but when you really see their faith is when they're faced with something. Then their true faith comes out. What, what do you believe? Because some people have a hard time believing this. And I would imagine so when only 9% of Christians read their Bible every day. You're going to have a hard time find, believing a lot of things if that's as often as you get into the Word of God. I'll tell you this. I, I, took, I, read, I read a book by um, Dodie Osteen. I highly recommend it. We have extra copies, I think, uh, called Healed of Cancer. We give it to everyone that we know that's dealing with sickness in their body. And one of the things I love about her book is she shares her story. She shared what she did because she had all these people of faith who prayed for her. She had Kenneth Copeland, Oral Roberts, her husband, John Osteen. She had Norval Hayes. She had T.L. and Daisy Osborne call. And they all called and prayed for her. They either visited her or they called her. They laid hands on her and they prayed for her. And she said, one time in prayer, God was talking to me and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me, just so gently spoke to my heart, not in an audible voice, but he said this. He said, it's not going to be the faith of Oral Roberts that heals you. It's not going to be the faith of John Osteen or Kenneth Copeland or Gloria Copeland or T.L. or Daisy Osborne or Norval Hayes. It's going to be your faith that heals you. Your faith. But if we allow fear to get in our heart, you can't have fear and act in faith. Fear tolerated contaminates your faith. It's designed to destroy your faith. The thing that the devil is so afraid of in you, all these Christians that are in this room, is your faith. Is you standing up and realizing who you are what you have and what you can do. Man, when we take the name of Jesus. Oh, yeah, let me jump back. So when I, read, when I read Dodie Osteen's book, and at the end of her book, there was these 40 scriptures. And so I wrote them down. They were all the scriptures that she had looked up that ministered to her heart. And so I wrote them all down. And I put them in the notes on my phone, you know. And I don't know why, but I started quoting them every day. I believe it starts, um, I mean, Joel, I'm not going to quote him to you, but I mean, there's a bunch. Now I have probably 80 or so scriptures in there that I quote every day. Well, Phil, why do you do that? I don't know. I just felt like it was a good thing to do. You know, I, you remember when you were in grade school that you would do the, the times table cards or the addition cards, two plus two is four, and the teacher would, you would say it out loud. You know, and why? Why are they having you say it out loud? Because the retention is a whole lot better. It bypasses your, your brain and it goes deeper than that. And so it becomes, it, it gets inside of you. And so I began reading these scriptures every day. This was three years uh, prior to 2011 when my mom experienced a massive heart attack. And I don't know why in the back of my mind, I always had this in thought one, one day, somewhere down the line, I might be in a situation where my parents, one of my parents 
has an issue. Well, I didn't know it, but mom experienced a massive heart attack. And I was so thankful that I've been reading those scriptures and quoting them every day. Because in the car on the way to the hospital, mom was out of it. I didn't know it, but her lungs were filling with fluid. And she, she doesn't remember anything past the couch because I, I picked her up off the couch. Thank God she's a little woman because, you know, I was able to pick her up and carry her to the car. And so we're in the car. She doesn't even remember this part. But I started asking you to quote after me. I said, mom, can you hear me? And she'd go, yes, you know, because you're, it gets real hard to breathe and to talk. And I said, I said, I want you to repeat after me, okay? And she'd go, okay. And I said, say this, mom, Joel 3.10 says, and she'd say, Joel 3.10 says, I said, let the weak say, I am strong. And she'd say, let the weak say, I am strong. Well, Phil, didn't you panic? I wanted to, but that's flesh. But see, I'm, I'm not supposed to obey my flesh. I'm not supposed to obey the way I feel. I'm not supposed to obey what the news media tells me that I'm supposed to buy into or accept that I have to endure this. I have to have the flu. I have to have cancer. It's going to get me one of these days. Where does the Bible say that? doesn't say that because God's desire is to heal you that's his desire that and it's proven in Jesus Jesus said listen if you don't believe me believe the works that I do because it says Jesus healed them all everybody everybody that he came there wasn't a single person well Phil I believe you know so-and-so didn't get healed and and, and they passed away, went home to be with the Lord. But I believe that they got healed when they passed away. Well, I don't agree with that. And here's why. Because your spirit wasn't what was sick. Your body didn't go to heaven. Your spirit did. God's plan all along was for you to be healed here. So if there's a hangup, if there's a challenge, if there's an issue, and I would say that 9% is a pretty big issue. That's an inhibitor to faith. Your faith can't grow if you're not reading the Bible. Let me tell you, if I had not been studying Scripture, and, and we were going through, I was going through uh, Kenneth Hagin's series on um, uh, seven, seven Steps to Answer Prayer. I couldn't think of the name of it. Seven Steps to Answer Prayer. And, and I was reading all these Scriptures about healing, and I don't know why, but I just felt compelled and little did I know my mom was going to experience this massive heart attack. Well, on that drive where she was quoting those scriptures, do you know what happened? She started quoting them so strong that she wasn't drowning anymore. It was like she was talking to you the way I'm talking to you. And I would say, Mom, say this. Psalm 23, 1 says, Psalm 23, 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. And I thought, man, we're going to be able to turn this car around. Well, we might just want the doctor to go ahead and check her. Just little did I know, 16 days later, mom walked out of the hospital healthy, whole. She did have a massive heart attack, but no hole, nothing missing, nothing broken. A massive heart attack. How many people have a stroke and man, bad things can happen. But I'm telling you in the United States, 
in, the, in our society, and, I, and again, I'm going to go back to that 9%, we're not experiencing healing the way that we should be. We're not experiencing the manifestation of God's power the way that we should be. And I would say it's because we're not pressing in the way we should be. I mean, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. All right, let me do a couple other things, and then I want to pray for you. So, um, so my daughter came and got me the other day. She said, Dad, there's a hornet's nest outside of my window. And so I went outside, and I looked out, and I went, ooh, you know, because it was, so, you know, it was a big apartment complex up there. And then, and then I went around the corner. Now I'm starting to look for them. And there's a smaller one over here, the little condo over here. And then there was a single unit over by the garage, you know, and I just went, wow. And so I got online, started looking, you know, at YouTube and how you take care of hornets because I don't have a lot of experience. We just used to hit them with a broom and run, you know, and knock it down and just take off, you know. And I, that, I'm not as fast as I used to be. So, so I found out, you know, you could buy this spray. And so I went to Home Depot and I got this spray and the spray sprays 20 feet, man. So you can stand way back. And then I was watching these videos. I don't know if it's true or not, but they say at night that they can't fly. They can't see or something. I don't know if that's true. That was a guy on YouTube. So, you know, it's factual. Uh, but anyway, so, <laughs> so, so we get out there and Zach and I, he has, a, I said, here, dude, you take a can. I'm going to get a can. We got the flashlight. When I say on the count of three, we're going to spray and we're just going to cover this thing, man. And then we're going to take off running. So we sprayed and man, this foam comes out and it just envelops, you know, that, that apartment complex that was up there. And when, and it fills it up and then it starts running down the house, on the side of the house. And you see these hornets that are stuck in there. And so Zach and I go inside because we're, you know. And so the next day, because it says to wait 24 hours. And the next morning I come out. And so I want to go over and look and see if it killed them all. Well, there's three guys that came back. I don't know if these were scouts and they just weren't home or what happened. But they survived somehow. And there's these three hornets that are still trying to repopulate. Well, the Bible says that when a spirit goes out of a person, it seeks rest and it finds none. It goes through dry places seeking rest, finds none. And so then it says, I will go back to where I lived. And when it comes back, the unfortunate thing is, and again, 9%, hello, everything is swept clean and the house is nice. It's got new furniture. Everything is fixed, working, and he just moves right in. Why? Because nothing filled it up and sometimes we get free from fear but then fear tries to come back and repopulate see people people have you know you talk about phobias so i'm scared of spiders i'm scared of flying i'm scared of elevators i'm scared of snakes you know they have these different phobias no you're not afraid of all those things you're afraid of dying you're not afraid of flying. You're afraid of the airplane falling out of the sky and crashing. I mean, you're not afraid of spiders. You're afraid of getting bit by one and swelling up and dying, you know, or a snake. I mean, right? But fear comes in all different shapes. 
it tries to come. Sometimes it tries to come in prevention, in protection. You can be overly concerned. Well, Phil, I'm just, I'm just trying to be sensitive. Well, if, if, if you're being sensitive to the point that it negates your faith, then you've stepped over the line. You're in fear. Does that make sense? Okay. Still love me? Okay. I want to read one last scripture and then we're going to pray. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is, wow. I read this scripture and I went, man, this is powerful. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, he, in verse 10, he will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. They've rejected it. And so God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will, they will believe lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing truth. You know what it takes to make a lie convincing? Make it 99.5% true. You know how rat poison works? The reason rat poison works is because 90 percent it's a really high ratio in the upper 90s 97 98 percent of it is food the other small percent is arsenic that kills the rat why they have to attract the rat and get it to eat the food so that it can kill the rat well this is the enemy's plan the bible says he comes as an angel of light he doesn't show up with a pitchfork and all this baloney that we see that people have made him into. He comes as an angel of light and he begins to raise doubt. He, his very first, think about how he came to Eve. Did God really say you couldn't eat of all the trees? Listen to that question. Now, if Adam had been doing his job, which he wasn't, he would have kicked him out of the garden. Get out of here. You don't belong here. What are you doing in here? Or maybe he did what I did to that snake. He threw a paver on it. I heard they did that in Africa. It worked. But, but that's what Adam should have done. So he should have got rid of the serpent. But he didn't. But the, the, the devil is coming the same way today. He's coming to your mind the same way with, pos, with a little bit of positive. And I'm going to sandwich in there some doubt. And then I'm going to make it positive again. I'm going to dress it up and package it in such a way that they'll accept it. That they'll receive it all right so I mean, this all goes back to what seems good to a man what seems good to a man brings destruction so here's my question have you tested positive for fear this morning no I'm serious have you allowed the fear of what's going on right now pull you in and pull you out of faith where you're supposed to be? If that's you, I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask us to bow our heads all around the auditorium this morning. Would you mind bowing your heads, just closing your eyes just for a moment to be sensitive to those around you? If that's you, you've been dealing with fear. I want you to be honest before God. I'd like you to raise your hand all around the room. I'm going to pray for you. Yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else? 
<clears throat> yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand together. <clears throat> There's people dealing with fear in here. <clears throat> and let me tell you, let me, let me make this statement before I pray for you. I, I find oftentimes that if I'm dealing with fear, yeah, I, I often go back to what that 9% talked about. How much time have I been spending feeding on things that are not feeding my faith? So let me pray for you and then we're going to do one more thing and then we'll, then we'll dismiss here. So would you close your eyes all around the room? Would you pray with me? Just pray for that person on the right or left of you because there were people that raised their hand in here and they need you praying for them. If that wasn't you, then let's pray for them. Heavenly Father, right now, I just pray for every person here. We come against the spirit of fear. We do not receive the spirit of fear because that's not the spirit that you've given us, God. You have given us the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound mind. So we have no right to be depressed. We have no right to be sad. We have no right to be uh, <clears throat> any other way except excited, happy, thankful, and at peace. And so, Lord, I pray for every person here that's dealing with fear. I come against it in Jesus' name. And I say, fear, you're not welcome. You're not welcome in this place. Say that out loud, fear. You're not welcome. Not in my home, not in my family, not in my mind. God has given me a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, just begin to thank Him on your own. Just begin to thank Him. If you want to put your hands in the air, if you want to worship Him here for a moment, just begin to thank Him right where you're at. Thanks for listening to the Vision Church podcast. Hey, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. And follow up with our messages from week to week at visionnwa.com forward slash messages. And if you would like to support this ministry financially with what God is doing here in Northwest Arkansas and around the world, be sure to support us online at visionnwa.com forward slash give.